This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Oh, sweet, love it. So, so we're in. If you're visiting with us, right? Oh, what we've been doing, we've been on this journey through the book of Acts, and we're taking a whole year out to, to walk slowly through it. And we're at this point in Acts chapter 10 where from everything from the beginning, from the get-go, God, uh, he, Jesus tells his, his disciples, like, listen, I want you to take this gospel and I want you to carry out to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they're starting to understand what the implications of that actually means. They've been growing up in this context where it was just us. Us. And, 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 and ends of the earth means more than just us, right? But we're starting to look at how that's challenging their, their, their posture, their way of thinking, their way of seeing God in his grand scheme of everything that he's doing and, and, and what he's, he's moving in sovereignly. So we start off in, in 10 and 1, and like we closed out last week with Peter, he was in Joppa, and he was doing these miracles that was like Christ-like miracles, like the lame would, would walk and the death was being raised back to life. So he was in Joppa. That's where we was at last week where Peter was, was doing that. And now today, scenes shift from Joppa to Caesarea, from primarily a Jewish center to a city populated mostly by Gentiles. And now this is something brand new here because up until this point, there's never been a time where, like, a whole city of Gentiles is being engaged. You had these little pockets here and there, but you see that God is doing this, this continual work, and we'll see the transition that, that happens and, and God using with Peter during this text. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and, and then we'll make some comments. I'll let you know what I'm reading so you can read it with me. So verses 1 through 8 goes like this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who was called Peter, who was lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Let me talk to you about Cornelius for a bit. Now, Cornelius was a Roman soldier. It says he was a centurion. So what that means is centurions were these, these groups of Roman soldiers that was groups of 100 that were stationed in different areas, right? And Cornelius was one of authority in this particular group that was stationed in Caesarea. So he had the authority to send people here and send people there. Now, it also said that Cornelius was, that he feared God. So they have a term for these people that, that, that weren't Jews, but 
they, they feared and believed in the, the God of the Jews, and they're trying to get to know this, this God, and they call them God-fearers, right? Now, God-fearers were people that, they weren't Jews, but they believed in this God of the Jews. But to the Jews, when the Jews look at them, they was considered as outsiders still, right? They weren't considered as recipients of the promises of God they haven't gone through the things that the Jews had gone through. They haven't been waiting for over 400 years. They didn't walk through the wilderness. They didn't go through those type of things. So, so the Jews looked at them as outsiders, not as, as part of the family. Regardless of how much they, they fear God or how much good works they did, they were still considered as outsiders looking in. As far as the Jews were concerned, you had to be a part of the family. You had to been through it with us. But we see here that nonetheless, even though he's considered an outsider, God is using him. So that's important. Let's go. Verses 9 through 16. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter has this vision of this, this sheet or this container that had all these different kinds of animals inside of it, animals that, 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 that was been declared good to eat, good for Jews to eat, and it also had animals that was declared not good or unclean. It had animals that were declared clean and animals that was that was unclean. Now, if something was considered unclean, Jews tried to stay away from it. They, 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 they avoided those things. If there was people that was considered unclean, if it was food that was considered unclean, they, uh, they avoided it. They didn't want to hang around there because the concern was that, that I will become defiled too. So they was very, very purposeful to just stay away and distance themselves from everything that seemed to be unclean to them. Now here it is where God is telling Peter to, to eat, to slay and eat. And Peter, he, he's thinking him eating the food would defile him. So he has this, this self-preservation mode that's going on. Even though he's talking to God and God is the one telling him to do it, he turns around and he explains to God, nah, I don't do things like that. Don't you know, Lord, I'm saved. He believes that, 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 that being clean or unclean hinges upon his work, hinges upon what he does and doesn't do, what he will and won't do. That's why he explains to, to God his history. I never done that type of stuff. How dare you? But then God makes clear to him that, 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 that clean is not about what you will and won't do, but about what God has already done, right? He makes that really clear to him. He said, listen, listen, 
What God has made clean, don't call common. That's made. made. I've done this thing already. What God has made clean, don't call, call, don't call it common. Now, we'll see, like, if we know the story of Peter, Peter, just like us, just like us, swings back and forth with these times of trusting God and times of, of walking faithful in God. We all find ourselves there where we're, like, we're struggling with trusting what God is saying for us to do right now. And, and the self-preservation mode sort of kicks in and, and, and we, we don't trust the character of God. Like, like, listen, let me tell you, if you feel God is calling you to do something that's going to put you at odds with him, newsflash, it's not God. God is not going to call you to do something that's going to put you at odds with him. Right? Because he loves you. This is a character of God thing. So when God is showing him this vision of, of all these, this diverse group of animals, and, and Peter is thinking clean and unclean, you're missing it. This is a good God. And God is saying nothing is entire here is unclean. All of this is actually good because of the work that I've done already. Now, Peter is still trying to wrestle with it. 17 through 23a. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry of Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a, a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. Now, mind you, Peter is, is still confused about the vision. He's still trying to wonder, what, what, Lord, what are you trying to do? You trying to trick me? Was it a trap? Huh? I passed, right? He's still not, he's still not, not sure of what the vision is and what it means. And, and, and he still trusts God when God says, I want you to go do this. Like, he just had, he's still wrestling, what did that mean? And the God says, while he's trying to figure out what that means, he doesn't understand what it means yet. God says, okay, I know you're trying to figure out what that means. Now I'm about to give you something to go do. And Peter's like, okay, well, I'll do it. You guys can come in. Let's eat some. Verses 23 through 29. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I too am a man. And as he, walked, as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, 
You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? Now Peter is starting to get it. He's starting to see this vision and understand what this vision meant. But it wasn't until after he, he was obedient to God's call for him to move, right? Like, you see, sometimes God will give you a vision and then there are aspects of that vision that you won't understand until you are obedient to the aspects that you do understand. This will happen to us. God will be like, I want you, he'll, he'll, he'll give you something. You don't understand the why, but he gives you a, a what. And he's like, be obedient. Like sometimes God will reveal to you the why until you're obedient to the what. So he's obedient. He goes and now he's getting there, and he's standing in front of all these people, people that before he considered unclean because he wasn't of the, the Jewish household. He wasn't of the Israel household, household. They didn't have, they wasn't part of the family. He realizes now that the, that the vision wasn't about food at all. It was about people. People that he viewed as unclean. People that Christ died on the cross for. People that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to clean them. People whom the filth of their sins have been paid for already. Ah, oh, Peter was thinking so small. Verses 30 to 33. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who was called Peter. He is lodging on the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. You have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded of the Lord. Now, even though Cornelius doesn't fit into Peter's category of clean, he's still more devout, more submissive to God than many that probably would fit into his category of clean. This is important to notice here. And then if you look at this text, and I'm hoping as we walk through this text and you're looking at what's happening inside of Cornelius and what's happening to Peter at the exact same time, I hope that you don't see Peter and Cornelius more than you see the sovereign God pulling strings on both sides. I'm hoping that you see these things. This is one of the things that Pastor Aaron was talking about last week when he was talking about how, how we're going through these stories and you, there's one story we're talking about Philip, another story we're talking about Peter, and then we're talking about Saul. And, and he's like, all these things wasn't just happening in, in, in chronological order. This is just how, how, how Luke wrote it down. Some of these things was happening simultaneously. 
got to see, like, God doesn't work like here. Like, God works everywhere at the exact same time. Verses 34 through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through our old Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with them. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day. And made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He starts off talking to him, and he says, truly, I understand. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand how he's saying, truly, I understand. If you look in other versions and, and translations, it's, 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 he's saying, truly, I now understand. He didn't walk inside there truly understanding from the get-go. It's like, I heard it before. I know God said to the ends of the, of the, of the earth. And now he's seeing this man, and God is using him, and he's like, truly, I now understand. Like, he knew it theologically, but he didn't know it functionally. Like, how many, time, how many people know that you can know something without knowing something? Like, you can know it on paper, you can know it in thought, but, but not know it in context of practical relationship. There's a lot more comes in in that way. He's saying, I knew it. He's even testified that the, the prophets of old even said these things. But now I'm looking what it functionally looks like, and he sees God, and he's like, ah, I, I, I get it. Another thing that's important for us to understand here about Cornelius is that even though Cornelius is described as a God-fearer, even though he's described as devout, even though he's described as, as doing good deeds, how many people know none of that was enough? None of that was enough. Like, like he still needed Jesus. He still needed the gospel. Even though sometimes people are, man, but I love God. Look at all the good things that I do. I did this and I did that. And it's like, oh, that's cool. You still need the gospel. You still need Jesus. So God is doing this work where he's like, listen, Cornelius needs Jesus. Peter needs Jesus. Let me bring Peter over here to Cornelius so that Cornelius will see me really. Verses 44 through 48. 
while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. What I hope that you get right here, right, as we walk through this, is that we can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. We can't, like, no matter how much we learn about him, how much we think we understand, we're never going to figure the Holy Spirit out. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it. When apostles first received the Holy Spirit, they spent tons of time praying and waiting and waiting and praying, and then one day they received them. You have other groups of people that after hearing the preaching, when the preaching was done, they believed and then they received the Holy Spirit. Then you have other points in times where, where the apostles are called in from another town to lay hands on people and then they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, midway through the sermon, they, they, they receive the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, I talked to God, I asked him not to do it midway through this sermon, right? But midway through the sermon... They received the Holy Spirit. Can't figure God out. In John 3 and 8, Jesus is describing the nature of the Spirit in relation to those who follow the leading of the Spirit. And he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Like the big picture is about what God is doing, how he's moving by his Spirit. This is quote by Eugene Peterson, and it says, the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can participate in it. That's the deal here. Like, we would be so arrogant to think that we came here to our harbor and we brought God to the city. It's like, well, hold on. God's already been there. He brought you. You'll miss it if you start thinking, I brought God to the situation. It's like, no, 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 no. You submitted and participated what God already doing. But he's there. He's been there. As a matter of fact, he's been there working certain things to this exact time and moment. Now, now. We get to verse 11 where, where Peter gets back into town after all this happens and then he runs into the, 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 the circumcision party. So chapter 11, I mean, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. What I'm going to do first, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Now, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized them, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? 
Now, now Peter is sort of taken by this because he, he wrestles a lot. So verses 4 through 14, Peter's like, oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what happened, right? And he just goes down the whole list of everything that was happening from the top to the bottom because he wants them to understand that there's a, a perfectly legitimate reason why I was hanging out with those fellas. And then at verse 15, I'm just picking up at 15, right? 4 to 14, he's recapping the story. Then at 15, 15 to 18 reads like this. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, the God, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Peter gets back into town. When he gets back into town, the first question that the circumcision party was has to ask him is, you was hanging out with those, those, those people, with those unclean people? In other words, he was saying, you was hanging out with those people that are not like us? Was you really at the table with people that are not like us? Ones that we consider to be unclean? Like, here's the reality. As we walk through this, here's something that I hope that we grasp, is that in so many ways, we are like Peter and that circumcision party. We are like Peter, and God is calling us to, to speak to a Cornelius, someone that's not like us, someone that, that you don't include into your inner circle, someone that, that you sort of, like when I said earlier, the way how they responded to something that was unclean is that they avoided it. They avoided them. They, was, they, like, they, they didn't want to get closer, and they didn't let them in, but God is doing something where he, he is, is forming his family, and he's like, well, my family was way bigger than you thought it was, right? And some of my, my, the people inside our family are some of those people that are not like you. In so many ways, we find ourselves like, 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 like Peter, and Cornelius is out there. Cornelius is out there on 19th Avenue. Cornelius is out there somewhere down in Alhambra. Cornelius is out there in Bel Air. Cornelius is at your job. Cornelius is at your school, and you're looking at him as he's unclean, so you're avoiding him. The ones that we think are unclean because they're not like us. Now, we wouldn't verbalize that. We wouldn't say, oh, look, he's unclean. We wouldn't say, look, I don't want to hang on with him because he's not like us. But functionally, we would avoid them the same way that they avoided the people that they thought was unclean. We got to look deeper inside of our heart. You don't feel they've earned the right to get close to you yet. Most of us inside here would say, yeah, the gospel is for everyone. I know this. I know this. Theologically, I know it. I get it. I understand the gospel draws different people together. We would affirm that, that, that God calls us to be in diverse relationships with other people. 
But how many of us have different people that are not like us sitting at our table when you're not at church? In the middle of the week, how many of us are intentional about fellowshipping with somebody that's not like me? You know, the people that you would avoid real relationship with? Some of them that may be of a different race, I sort of keep them at bay. Or they may have mental issues, so I sort of don't get too close to them. Or they may be from a different country, and I really don't understand it. Or I don't get them, so I sort of keep them at bay. Or maybe even a different faith. Like, listen, God has people in a different faith that he's waking to awakening to his reality, right? That's just sitting there waiting. You got to get that. Or they may be struggling with their, their sexual orientation, so I sort of avoid them. Or, or, or probably from a totally different political party, and they're really vocal about it. Or a different financial bracket. But there's these people, like, I won't hang out with them. He's going to talk about his politics all day long. And I sort of try to avoid, avoid them, or I'm not intentional with engaging them and building serious relationships because I really believe that God is building his family, and his family has people that are not like me inside of it. A lot of those people I just described are people that are right here within a one to two mile radius of our church. People that we work with, that we see at school, people that we treat as unclean when we avoid them, people that we need just as much as they need us. Don't get it twisted. It's not just that, oh, they need you to carry the gospel. Like, we need them too. Like, Peter needed Cornelius just as much as Cornelius needed him. But, like, Peter's understanding of the gospel changed. Peter viewed Cornelius as unclean or not like him or not a part of the family. And God showed Peter that, that the actions are just like them because of what? His spirit. That they actually are a part of the family. Not doing these laws, these do's and don'ts. That's not what made you a part of the family. My spirit is what made you a part of the family. The fact that I'm doing something there. That's what made you a family member. Peter's mind is opening up to this reality. And he's like, truly, I get it. Truly, I see now. I mean, I understood it in theory. But functionally, it wasn't a part of my life. And now I'm being rocked. Cornelius, Cornelius, he viewed Peter as clean and, and better than him. So, so God shows Cornelius that, that he's no less than Peter. Peter is just as filthy as you are outside of my grace. He does that by when he bows down to worship Peter, God uses Peter to say, no, 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 stand up. I'm just a man. I'm on equal planes as you. Not even Peter understood the depths of what he was saying there. It took both of them submitting to God, right? It took both of them. It took God doing a work in, in Peter's heart saying, go do this. You don't know the ends of it, but go do it. And it took God doing a work in Cornelius' heart saying, man, I know you don't know how Peter's going to respond, but, and you probably don't even know who Peter is, but hey, go do this. 
I know you're used to being on the outside and you're not really considered as as an insider, but go do this. Peter has so many things saying Cornelius didn't belong. And Cornelius had so many things that would say, I'm just an outsider looking in, but, but God will call both of them to enter in. And what he calls both of them to enter into was him. Peter, enter into me by walking in faith. Cornelius, enter into me by walking in faith. And that was the meeting point. That was the joining point. Him. He was a difference. That's the same thing with us. When God calls us to enter in to him, enter into him as we join him on mission, we join him as he's, he's bringing his family together from all different walks of life, and many of them are people that are not like you. Not only does God call us into relationship with those people we wouldn't include in our inner circle, but God is calling us to become like, like Peter when they questioned him. When they asked Peter what was going on, Peter broke it down. But what Peter was actually doing was saying he was testifying about the work of God regarding them. In essence, Peter became an advocate for them. God isn't calling us to just befriend Cornelius, but to become an advocate for Cornelius. Not just to befriend that person that's not like you, that person that actually has certain ways that get underneath your skin, but to be an advocate for them. That's what God is calling us to. That's what this thing looks like, being an advocate for the other. While we live in a world where we're so busy trying to advocate for ourselves, Peter was faithful and he started to walk in faith and wherever the spirit was leading him and he had no idea the work that God was doing, that the work that God started in Cornelius' heart. Like God had already set things in motion. God is moving all over the place at the exact same time and, and, and you would be you would miss out if you don't realize that while God is telling you to do this thing right here in faith and you don't know the ends of it, you don't know where it's going, just to be obedient, and God is doing other things over there that has to do with what he's doing over here. Something that he probably already started. I want to make this local. I want to make this local, real local. Like, in faith, God has called us here to this location in Alhambra. That's why we're here. In faith, God put it on our heart to like, hey, let's start this learning center. We don't know what type of things we're going to have here. We are, we're, we're, we're dreaming. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, and we just start having, then, then God starts connecting some dots and stuff. And, and now we're talking about having discussions like last Wednesday, we discussed pro-grace, which is one of the ways that we want to be intentional with serving women that are, are, are pregnant and considering abortion. Let's give you another option by being there for you. God is doing something. Us sitting down saying, let's do this asset mapping so we can get to know our city better, get to know the people better, get to be in relationship and walk in partnership with them, even the other churches, so that it's like, yo, we're not acting like we came and and we started things, but you've been here already and stuff. And we want to be in relationship as the people of God in the city that God has called us to be. And we're doing these things in faith, so you better believe 
as we're walking these things in faith, God has already started doing other things in the hearts of some of the people that he means for us to engage. You better believe that. That's why like, when we put these things out there and we, and we, and we encourage you to get involved is because God is doing something. We are just participating in what he's already doing. And he's moving in ways that we don't know. He's stirring people's hearts in such a way that when they're sitting down at our table, they'll be the ones that are saying, truly, I get it now. In closing, the band, the band can come up now. In closing, if you ever wonder what the church should be doing collectively as a local body of believers and individually as individual believers, I want to remind you of this. The church is literally the body of Christ being led by the spirit of Christ. And what we should be doing is being Christ, letting Christ live through us, walk through us, breathe through us, and engage his city through us, in our schools, in our homes, as parents. When Peter gives the gospel to Cornelius and his family, Peter talked to them about who Christ was and what he did. And I think this is important for us to understand as we want to faithfully submit to God, understanding who he was and what he did. Like, this is what being Christ in our city and, and community would look like. In 10 and 38, he talked, and Peter says, in talking about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, he, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. As his body, as the church, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Not our own strength, not our own wisdom, not our own understanding. Like God takes all those things and he uses them to his glory, but we're relying on his power, on his strength. We're relying on the Holy Spirit. We're depending on the Holy Spirit. We're trusting the Holy Spirit and we're being obedient to the Holy Spirit as he leads us out. He calls us to do good, to do good to the city, to do good to our families, to do good at our job, to serve people, to rejoice the city for the bettering of the city, for the bettering of our families. These are the things that God is using to glorify himself. He said Jesus had the power of the spirit and he did good. And also said that he brought healing to the oppressed. And it says, those that were oppressed by the devil, I want you to understand all forms of oppression is demonic. Racial oppression, demonic. Social oppression, demonic. Mental oppression, demonic. Physical oppression, demonic. And God calls us to carry the gospel as an agent of healing to those that are oppressed by the devil. Understand these things because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but... Listen, let me, let me close out with, with, with prayer and communion. Let me show you how. This is what I want you to do. We're going to open up this time. And 
There's going to be some people over here that will be willing to pray for you. Probably there was some elements of this message that, that stirred you in a certain way that you just, you just want personal prayer. Or probably, you know, you've been wrestling with some things during this week and stuff, and you just want just some personal prayer. There will be people there that's just going to pray with you, right? And I want some of you to spend some time just like praying for, for God, how God would, would use you to reach the, or the Corneliuses inside of your life. The ones that you won't let into the inner circle that are actually possibly family members. Pray for God to show you those things. And let's pray. Look, you're breaking groups. We can do individually. But spend some time just praying for how God would use you as agents of healing to those that are broken and oppressed to do good and to serve and how you need to lean and trust on him and his spirit. Then when you're done, one of the things that, that Peter talked about inside this message, he said those that, that, that broke bread, they ate and drank with them after. I want you to come up and fellowship with us in communion. The breaking of the bread, which... It's symbolic to his body being broken for us. And the cup which symbolic to his blood that was poured out for us. And your eating and drinking of it is fellowshipping with him. Like, Lord, I'm fellowshipping with you on your mission in this city, my job, my life, my family. I'm fellowshipping with you, Lord. And if you're like, man, I want to be a part of this family. This is a family thing. I want to be a part of that family. I encourage you to come up and for prayer, and we'll lead you to the cross so that you can take part of this thing too. The tables are open. Let's pray and let's worship. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.